you don't put them out until they're ready. So is Harbaugh suggesting that there are teams that just don't listen to their doctors? Is that what he's getting at here? Or is he another person who just doesn't have the information? I don't know, actually. It was, it was weird. I mean, I would hope behind the scenes he got some calls from people or called someone and, and tried to find out, like, hey, did they screw this up or not? Because then to go out the next day in your Ravens media availability and slam another organization is pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, again, oftentimes you don't know what somebody knows. Like, um, you know, if, when you look at certain situations that have happened recently of people speak out right away. And then the next day they come out and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I, what so I meant to say so was. an ACL on Zach Wilson. And I was, I was thinking of, like, Ime Odaka, who everybody's like, what, what, why would they do yeah. it? Like, oh, you know what? I just heard what happened. Consensual relationship. <laughs> why is he being? Okay, we're getting uh, more information mind. now. There may <laughs> yeah. have been a lot more to it. Yeah. So uh, with Harbaugh, like, I was, I was sitting in the, uh, in the Raiders media room today, and the, you know, the, the, stream, the stream was on on the TV, so I got to see what he was saying. I was like, whoa, that was, it was interesting. I, I don't know where he's coming from on this. I don't know what they've dealt with. I know that they dealt with Lamar in the playoffs. With a situation kind of like this, so I mean he has some experience there, but it was uh, it was pretty strong. Number three, I've seen a lot of people complain about the coverage that Amazon didn't do a good job covering it on a couple of fronts. One, showing the injury and the replay over and over and over again. Did you have a problem with that? No, no. And I look, I I get on some level why you know like JJ Watt spoke up and said. Why are they doing this? We don't need to see this over and over and over again. I would argue, yeah, we do. It's a reality. We can't, you know, we all love football. I work in football. I played some football poorly. Uh, I've been around the game a lot. I'm around it every day. It's the reality of the situation. And I know it's an ugly truth, but it's the truth. And when you hide from it, when you don't talk about it, when you don't show, hey, let's not show this anymore. Look, I get it. We... I don't like seeing leg injuries. I, the for some reason they just showed uh, Anderson Silva up on TV here Ooh. as we're sitting here. I was six feet away I guess, from that outside the cage watching that the floppy leg on the it's, bottom of his leg snap. It's horrific, yeah. but it is. It's the reality of the situation. It's a reminder that this is real. It's a real situation that people deal with. It's be, people putting themselves in harm's way to entertain us um, and you know to make money and, and do what they do, but. Let's not hide from this. Let's let's accept that this is a real thing. By the way, showing that, showing how brutal it is and how gruesome it is, maybe drives the point home of how important it is to have protocols and to put things in place where there are some safety elements to, to the matter. I saw people going after the broadcast crew, also the Amazon coverage. Uh, one was Michael David Smith, who's a longtime NFL reporter, got after Richard Sherman because he was saying that, well, he's been – you know, such an outspoken voice for player safety and going against the league. I don't know that Richard Sherman needed to do that. And the other one is apparently Tony Gonzalez mentioned basically like, hey, we shouldn't talk about medical issues because we don't have diplomas. Now, of course, what happens is when you leave out a couple of words, anonymous D-bags on Twitter and social media will take that and run with it. And then they're like, don't have diplomas. You went to Cal. Richard Sherman, Stanford. This guy in the middle went to Harvard. Like, it's not what he meant. It's clearly not what he meant. He meant diplomas or, you know, we're not doctors. Right. And I actually think that he, well, one, I, I, when he said it on the broadcast, it's fine. You know, now that I think about it, he did what was right. 
again, you need to reserve judgment because we've had many times, especially when former players are there, who are not experienced journalists or on-air people. And was it, who was it? Wasn't it Chris Carter who accused Chandler Jones of, was it like PCP? Yeah. And all he heard was the story. Now, as it turned out, it was fake weed because Jones. Synthetic. Yeah. Like, yeah, synthetic. Like, went off the deep end, which he actually he kind of did. He, like, he, he showed up at the police department, whatever, all the details there. But it was synthetic weed, and he's like, I know it. it that was PCP. And like, what? You what? <laughs> you can't accuse him of And that's what happens sometimes with athletes because they don't know the line. Yeah, absolutely. That's so absolutely last night, I actually think they handled it nicely. But, uh, of course, then people are like, Amazon, new NFL deal. Of course, they're not going to say anything. Wimps. Well, they kept showing it. I, I'd say one one part is they didn't talk about Sunday. Like, they didn't kind of make that correlation, which, again, I don't know that there is a correlation. And I don't think anybody knows that there's a correlation. It's easy to assume it. If you made me bet, I'd probably bet there's some correlation, but we don't know that. So they didn't do that. And one of the other critiques that I saw, uh, and, again, I had the game on with no sound, so I, don't, I didn't know exactly how they were talking about it. Um, but a lot of people were, were just saying, like, they're trying to move, they're just trying to move on and, and and ignore it and I think from from your perspective from your point like yeah if you don't have an educated thing to say about it you can discuss hey here's what happened but to try to take it to the next level that's where you get into trouble and to say yeah. things that you don't know talking about injuries is really dangerous last week I was about 50 feet away from a goal line stand attempt by Utah State Doug Brumfield scores all of a sudden you, I look out there and Russ and Caleb are talking upstairs and I'm like that's an air cast that they're putting on him. Because at first, the, the guy was lying right on his back. I'm like, oh, boy, this is not good. And all the trucks were out and everything. Um, but all I did was mention, there's an air cast. I, have n- I, don't, I don't know. He dislocated his ankle. But I'm not going to sit on the field and be like, that's a dislocated ankle. But, Doc, Doc Cofield said so. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. By the way, I just remembered uh, I was driving somewhere, and then I was watching without the sound. So when it actually happened, the injury happened, I had the radio broadcast on. And he went down and might have been somebody t- either way it was a, a show talking about the game i don't think it was the actual broadcast of the game either way he goes ah oh, i can see his fingers dislocated i was like oh that sucks and then it turns out no way worse <laughs> like what where did you get that from i can see it from here uh, it was it was boomer sizing on the game might have been him it sounds in my vo- in my head that's the voice yeah. and i think he said that's a dislocated dislocated finger i was like okay and then I get to, to where I'm going and see the replay. I said, that finger? What are we doing? But that's where you get in trouble. Top two stories. Number two. Man, that angle that we uh, hit last hour with Judge Dan from Denver, the fan in Denver, about the former Broncos players coming out of the woodwork to just freaking body slam Josh McDaniels. It just adds more fervor to this rivalry. And it's a good rivalry with the Raiders. And the Broncos. Uh, today, you guys asked Josh McDaniels about the rivalry. I, I was aware of the, the you know, the rivalry a, hand, a long time ago. I said I'd like to say. I mean, it was a long time ago for me, um, you know, on the other side. So, eager to have the opportunity to compete against them for sure. That was it. All right. Good. And kind of folded into everyone in the division. You know, they're all rivals. <laughs> like Josh. And I don't think he – I'm not even going to say this is punching down. I don't think he wants to open and address the history books. No. I mean, you may want to defend yourself, but... It, right, but he, also, he doesn't want to open that either. No. Because he, whatever stories have been out the last couple of days, if he addresses, 
He's like, hey, look, that's not true. Then somebody will say, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Hey, you didn't answer this question. Like, there's a lot of things out there, and you can't just start somewhere. Nothing's true. Like, what? what? That, that You can't do that. Well, it seems like former players are lining up to get after him, so that would be kind of hard can, to dispel. I can dispel. assure you. <laughs> well, you were saying you talked to some former players as well, and they were very eager to go after Josh McDaniels. Yeah, usually it's hard to get former players to talk about things. Not this week. Number one. Absolute must win for the Raiders. Anything can happen. I guess they could reel off, you know, an 11-3 and record if they're 0-4. I think I got the math right there. They got to win this game. You got to start right in the ship because 0-4, heading to Kansas City, facing 0-5, that's, that is impossible. But Josh McDaniels was pretty chipper today. Vic Tafer stepped up, and he's like, hey, with this offense, why isn't it working, and what do you think? Well, what's your level of concern about the offense? I'm excited because I think, you know, again, our goal is to continue to get better and improve. We've learned a lot. Uh, we really have over the first so many weeks here, and, you know, it doesn't always transfer immediately into, you know, per- perfection uh, relative to execution and results, but uh, we've learned a lot about what we need to do better. We've learned a lot about what we can improve on in practice. If you know what you need to do and you work hard at it and you have a great attitude and approach to it and you're consistent with the way that you're working, you have a great opportunity to improve. Yeah, I'm not sure what else he's supposed to say. I mean, he's basically preaching patience to fans. They're not going to buy it, but we stink. McDaniels like, you know, say, hey, we're learning a lot and we're trying to move forward. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's the that's the goal, and again, you're 0-3, the only 0-3 team in the in the league. I heard somebody say the only winless team. Not true. There's Texas are 0-2-1. You're the only 0-3 team in the league, but you're not the worst team in the league. I think that's pretty clear. I don't right. think anybody would make that claim. So you you are trying to get the, the record to kind of more match up with the play on the field, the level of ability, and uh, I went through. I, I actually uh, I watched every game again last night start to finish all three games um and, and i just kind of pinpointed five or six plays in every game where if you cha- it's not just the last play because the last play is obvious but if you if you there's five or six plays in every game that if you change the outcome of that play the, the outcome of the game probably changes and one of the play in the arizona game in particular you make one of like seven plays you win last week there was about four plays same thing you just change that play you win so they're close, but that's what the that's what the NFL is. It's right. it's a game of being very close. Uh, last year they were unbelievable in one score games. This year, it's regression regression to the mean. That's usually what happens. And you kind of called it last year when you said, "Hey, they weren't a great team. They went ten and seven, but there were a lot of flaws, and they were really close to potentially losing those games." And this year, it's turning back on them. The Big Four at four is presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in Reno. And Las Vegas, the Anywhere in Nevada phone number to call is 766-1400. Absolutely. I'm having a party at the house, having all my radio mates over at the station coming by. It's rivalry. absolutely means something. Probably will never go away because I remember driving up to the black hole and watching 67-year-olds sticking up fingers that I don't even know they should know what that finger means. <laughs> so this rivalry will always mean something to me. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, CNC. 
Orlando Franklin on the way back. We had Orlando, the former offensive tackle for the Broncos, now a host on the fan in Denver. And he was talking about the rivalry, and he went in immediately and started smashing Josh McDaniels. I feel like they're going to have, like, one of the little, uh, like, they voodoo dolls. Is that the ones that you, you push the uh, the pins into? Yes. Like a Josh doll. Man, they're coming after him. It's just, it's been so long. Move on. They want a piece of him. And, you know, now that he's a coach on the opposite side, they want to see the Broncos just freaking crush the Raiders. Amber Thea Harris is up with us. She's working with the Raiders on Raiders.com and, of course, Sirius XM NFL Radio and Westwood One and their NFL coverage. Amber, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to have, good to be on with you guys. Yeah, the, uh, the rivalry feels real when there's this extra level of vitriol from former Broncos <laughs> players who want the, the Raiders and Josh McDaniels to get smashed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it, it's the AFC West, and everybody knew it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. Um, the Broncos and the Raiders go back a long time. Russell Wilson is, is new to this rivalry, um, and I think Raider Nation is going to welcome him in very, very nicely. I, I love the, like, the bump that you guys came in with the six- and seven-year-olds giving the middle finger to people. Uh, <laughs> perhaps we will see that uh, at Allegiant Stadium. I, I hope it's not my kids. Uh, they're here with me in Vegas this weekend, but look, uh, this, I think what's really cool about the AFC West right now is even though the Raiders are 0-3, they're not out of it. Like, if you would have said September 1st, the Raiders are going to start 0-3, I would have thought, oh, my gosh, they'll be so far behind in the division. But we've seen that nobody in that division is just running away with it. Uh, the, the Chargers are struggling. Justin Herbert is injured. Uh, the Chiefs show that they could lose to a team like the Colts. Um, you know, and the Broncos are 2-1. and one. But we could argue they haven't, you know, the two wins were against two teams that aren't very good in the National Football League, not to take away that from them. It's hard to win uh, every Sunday in this league. But if, if the Raiders are able to win this game, I believe in the Chiefs lose, they're one game out of first place uh, going into a game with the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. So the AFC West is the beast that we expected it to be, and I'm looking forward to this matchup on Sunday. In diagnosing some of the problems, I know you were doing stuff recently with Eric Allen and James Jones. What are those guys saying about what they're seeing with the Raiders? Yeah, I think it's what we're all seeing, not just what they're seeing. Um, I think one of the biggest problems to me uh, covering this game for a very long time is, you know, where's Josh Jacobs, you know, in the second half? Or it's, where's Josh Jacobs in two halves of the game? Uh, if a guy's rushing the ball, if he's averaging 5.1 yards per carry, 5.7 yards per carry, and then they get away from the run, I just think there's kind of a lack of identity and a lack of a definitive decision-making as far as the play calling of, of what it's going to take. If they want Devontae Adams to have big games, you need to establish the run with Josh Jacobs. You need a safety to be able to drop down in the box and then can't roll over and get safety help to whatever corner is covering Devontae Adams. That's it's pretty simple, I think, for a lot of people. Now, look, the coaches get paid the big money. If it was that simple, we'd all be doing it. But I think it starts with running the football uh, this Sunday with Josh Jacobs and consistently running the football. Right now, the Broncos are the best team in the NFL on uh, the best team in the NFL on first down. And uh, you know, I think if you don't rush the football then you're not going to be able to establish any kind of rhythm. All of a sudden, you could find yourself in second and ten if you try to throw the ball on, on, the, on the first down. You know, and then you're in trouble. So I, I think it really goes around Josh Jacobs. It's not Devontae Adams. It's not not having Hunter Renfro. It's running the football. It's real easy for things to really just turn south, uh, emotionally, mentally, 
and, and things just to get ugly when a team is losing. Have you sensed that at all around this team? You know, no. I mean, I think I think you could describe the facility as tense but businesslike. Uh, I'm sure you guys have been in there too. Yeah. Um, they got a job to do. I mean, nobody's nobody's of course walking around happy and excited, um, but it, it definitely doesn't feel like there's any kind of panic mode because I think if you all the players that I've talked to, um, there's this feeling of we have shown at, at least for different halves <laughs> they've played six halves, and in each of these six halves you can point to why this team could be really good. It's a matter of putting it together for two halves in a game, for four quarters. Um, to be able to have two shutouts in those six halves, the defense has had two shutouts. This is a defense that can play very well. It's just being able to do it consistently, um, I think, is, is the key. They feel like they're close. So I, I've covered bad teams. I've covered really bad teams. And you can't find these positive points where they're close or you feel like it's just a matter of time before it pops. With the Raiders, there's plenty of those. And, I mean, not to go too far inside, but you you mentioned that your kids were here. I saw Deron Harmon maybe speaking to some kids yesterday. He seems like a good dude. Yeah, those are my kids. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I I can tell you one thing. When you've got your kids there and and the team is 0-3 and your kids go and run out on the practice field and – you're trying to hurt them like cats before Josh McDaniel sees them. You're like, no, 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 get off the field. Get off the field. There's, you know, if they're 3-0, your kids can run on the field. 0-3, sure. you know, you're a little bit more like, nah, y'all come sit down. So they were sitting up against the wall, and Duran came over. And um, what an awesome guy. Came over, uh, you know, a 10-year veteran in this league. I interviewed him uh, for the show, for Silver and Black Show, that's going to air tomorrow. You can check it out on Raiders.com. Actually, it's on tonight, Raiders.com. Um, but he, um, he has really good perspective. He's won three Super Bowls. He's been to four. And he kind of said the same thing that I'm saying. Like, look, I've been on winning teams. We have those elements. We've got to put it all together. It's not like we don't have the talent. It's not like we don't have these moments in the game that we've seen that are positive. We just need to put it all together. But um, the key, he reached out to me to thank me for the interview afterwards, uh, got in touch with me. Just a real, true professional, a veteran. And, hey, with the secondary banged up, um, he's been a positive. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess how, how important, you've, you know, you've seen teams before, how important is it to have those guys around, especially when things are going like this, to kind of you know, let everybody know, like, hey, we're going to figure this out. Yeah, anybody that's covered a team that is trying to establish a winning culture knows that you have to have winners. Uh, you have to bring winners in that have done it before, that know what type of tone to set. And I think that's what Josh McDaniels did, you know, going out and getting players that he did know, like Jerron Harmon, um, knowing uh, that he's, you know, he's a, fa- a father of four. Um, he doesn't panic. He's been through everything in this league. He's also very durable. Did you guys know he's only missed one game in 10 years? <laughs> he has played in every single game, every season, except for his very first game as rookie year. So he knows what it takes to be out there and to be consistent, and that's going to be really helpful and a team that is dying for some consistency right now. That's the voice of Amber Thea Harris here on Cofield and Company, and I'm sure Adam can tell the audience, and I'm pretty sure Amber's been exposed to the story of Mac Hollins, another good story. <laughs> um, really interesting guy Mac Hollins has turned out to be, and very productive You know, with the fact that everyone else is being doubled. He stepped up. Yeah, and, and look, Devontae Adams, we knew he was going to be doubled. <laughs> I think everybody knew that. When, the thing that 
I look at is he was targeted 11 times a game when he was in Green Bay, and he had all those productive years. You can't tell me that every time he was targeted, he was in single coverage, and he was wide open. Aaron Rodgers found ways to get him the ball uh, when he was in double coverage. Um, I think that will happen. You know, I think the, I think Derek Carr will be able to take some more risks going forward. And one of the reasons, though, is people are going to have to play off of Devontae a little bit. If Matt Collins keeps having 140-yard games, I don't know if he'll do that uh, consistently, but he has shown that he can physically manhandle a defensive back. That he is six foot four, what, 260, I'm not even sure, frame, can win those one-on-one matchups. And so he's going to see, you know, a second or third corner um, and he could win those matchups. So Matt Collins has been another great story. I think, you know, you guys have probably gotten to know him a little bit. Um, he's from literally the town over from me that I grew up in, Maryland. So we've, we've kind of chatted a lot. Um, he, he's another guy that keeps perspective. He's very mature. Um, he's been around the league a little bit. Um, and I think he was waiting for an opportunity. And I think Devontae, I haven't seen on the scene. He's very open about it. Devontae's created opportunities for me. So I'm going to try to help him back so I make people account for me. Uh, last minute here, you know, it is kind of crazy going back to what you started your comments with the AFC West, and I still think it's a real good division, but if you look at the other situations, you've got the Chargers beat the hell, and uh, Herbert's got the rib injury, so they're struggling. Uh, there's a weird vibe around Russell Wilson and the offense are 2-1, and one. and then the other one that's come out now, and we saw it during the game last week, and we've talked about this before on this show, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes sitting there, you know, having a big disagreement with Eric Bieniemy. like, everything is not swell in all the other spots, and I'm curious to see how the Chiefs deal with this. I, I think it is a problem with the enemy and some of the offensive players. I mean, we don't. I, I never like to assume what's going on with the enemy and, and the other players. We saw what we saw, um, you know, and they've all come out and said, "Look, we're passionate." Given, given the kind of um, standard quote that everything is fine, but look, that offense looks different. And it looks different because Tyree Hill isn't there. And if anybody said that it has anything to do with other than the fact that they, they thought they were going to go out there with Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and say, that was good, we're good, we lost Tyree Hill, we're fine, they were lying to themselves. And, that, and we're seeing, you know, Tyree Hill connecting with Tua, which is a whole different discussion. Uh, you know, that was, that was horrible what we saw last night. But... I think that was a big story that was overlooked or kind of swept under the rug with the Chiefs going into the uh, going into the season. Like we're going to be fine as long as we have Patrick Mahomes; he can make magic happen. And that's not necessarily the case. And now that Eric Bieniemy, it's all you know. It's like when one card falls, the whole house of cards fall. And Eric Bieniemy, as the play caller, um, is obviously going to be one of those cards that falls. So you're going to have trouble in paradise when the talent just just isn't around as much as as it was before. So, I don't know. I mean, I still believe the Chiefs are a really good team. I was more worried about their defense and their offense, honestly, going into the season. But I think the beauty for Raider Nation is that everybody's a little messed up, right? Like, when you've got problems in your life, it kind of makes you feel better when you look around. There you, you go. Know, well, I'm not alone. <laughs> you know, I'm not alone. Everybody else is kind of messed up. I think that's the AFC West right now. So, it's still very competitive. And if the Raiders are able to win uh, against the Broncos, who are in first place in the AFC West, it sounds funny to say that. Um, it's an opportunity to start kind of clawing out of this, but by no means is the season gone at 0-3. Amber. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Well, we'll get some more information on Tua when it's available. Adam Hill is here. Here is Treasure Island. We're on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. So at the end of the convo with Amber Thea Harris, 
who's working with Raiders.com doing pre and post and features during the week. We were mentioning the Chiefs having some problems. Now, this is something we hit on at the end of last year and in the offseason. And we've covered the Eric Bieniemy angle for years now. I'm not going to say he's worn out his welcome in Kansas City, but he's moving toward it. There have been clashes repeatedly with Bieniemy. He's a tough guy. Yep. He's a stubborn guy. Doesn't mean he's, he's, he's bad. Doesn't mean he's a bad coach. But sometimes it's just time to move on. And unfortunately, he's been up for all these jobs. He hasn't been able to move on. They keep him around. Now, if you notice, Matt Nagy's back, which I think was a message like, hey, after this year, Nagy's coming back as the OC. And in the end, Reed calls most of the plays anyway. But that Mahomes clash with the enemy didn't surprise me at all. Uh, we told you, you know, from our Kansas City people that, hey, part of the reason that Tyreek Hill may have been dealt, you know, most of it was $30 million demand, was there was a clash between Bienemy and Tyreek Hill at the end of the season. And that, you know, is yet another issue with Tyreek Hill. And by the way, you, you see stuff with Tyreek Hill being stupid before the game uh, with Eli Apple. Then he comes out after the game and he said someone on the Bengal staff, you know, did him wrong and he wants a piece of him. Like, bruh, he got his money. So I guess he could tell me, shut the hell up. That is part of his reputation is that he's a volatile guy. So anyway, on the Biennemi Mahomes class, please don't tell me people are getting after Mahomes for that. Well, the Kansas City Star ran a column saying Mahomes is not a team player. Who's the writer? They didn't. A fan did. A fan wrote a letter to the editor saying Mahomes has always uh, been about himself, not been a team player. It's not what he cares about. He doesn't care about winning. He cares about himself and his numbers and looking good. And it, it drew a lot of attention today because the Kansas, Kansas City Star tweeted it out. And from the tweet, it looked like it was a column from one of, their, one of their writers. It was not. And, of course, I heard the clickbait, clickbait. Like That's not, to me, what clickbait is. Either you read the story and you know what it was, or you don't click on it and you walk around sounding like a moron. Like, that's your two choices. Clickbait to me is like when you click on something and then it makes you click 20 to 25 times through to find out what the answer to what you were clicking for. If it's one click, that's not clickbait. But I think just the fact that anybody would even think it's real would tell you there's some drama. There's at least some thought about it. Because otherwise you would just look at it and say that's ridiculous and move on. I think a lot of people clicked on it and said, whoa, what's this? And then realized, oh, this is a fan making a pretty dumb point, but it was there. It was out there. It was floating around for a while today, for sure. Is stuff like that going to take down the team? No, I don't think Not so. at all. Well, I mean, potentially, when they build, those are the things that can take out talented teams. I think Mahomes had a moment. He's hyper-aggressive. The staff, not just the enemy, made the decision, hey, we're not going to get super-aggressive at the end of the half. And that's what it is. That's it. And, and it comes from the top down. I'm sure Andy Reid agreed with it, and the enemy just happened to be the guy. I had to tell him. That Mahomes went after, but sure. they're fine. And they're they're getting used to their new weapons. They don't have the you know the one breakout guy in Tyreek Hill. They're going to be okay. I think so. Yes. On the way back, we'll get another fan-slash-media take on the Raiders as we'll talk to R.J. Clifford, MMA expert, and also a 
podcaster on the Raiders. This podcast is the Autumn Windbags. It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Cofield and Company on ESPN Radio and ESPN Las Vegas. Let's get into more on the Raiders' plight at this point of the season. R.J. Clifford is on the way. His spot is brought to you by Porta Subs. Caller 7 right now, 364-1100, 364-1100. Winner gets a six-foot classic sub from Porta Subs. Qualifies to win a new Yeti cooler. It's all presented by Porta Subs and Finley Volvo Cars here in Sin City. 364-1100, caller number 7. R.J. Clifford, Autumn Windbags Podcast. And a host on Sirius XM. We'll get right into it. 0-3. Can you pinpoint a problem right now with the Raiders and why this is going so badly? <laughs> How much time you got, Cofield? Uh, I mean, talk about a disappointment, right? I mean, all this hope, all this optimism, 10-win season last season, playoff team last season, supposedly, supposedly have this great offensive guru, pick up the best wide receiver in football, uh, you know, a multi-time Pro Bowl defensive end are supposed to be better, and here we are. At 0-3, I mean, look, it's it. 0-3 is always doom and gloom, but I guess the silver lining is with a brand new offense, um, a lot of young players, Derek Carr learning a whole new system again. Things should get better. Like the team should get smarter, get more comfortable as things go on. And I think that's the primary issue here: is this offense is still learning a very complicated system. Um, our DBs are young. Our linemen are all under, you know, all like new and still kind of learning where they're at. Um, and then Derek Carr and Devontae just need to get on the same page. And I, I, I think that's more learning Josh McDaniel's new system as opposed to something that they can't work out. So I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, Cofield, that the issues are something that will be naturally ironed out with time i'm just hoping that the hole the raiders dig themselves into isn't insurmountable by the time they figure it out cofield and company live at treasure island our football friday show rj clifford is in he's the host of the autumn windbags podcast also a longtime broadcaster on sirius xm uh, i'm seeing some chirping from you uh, earlier in the week and really fans are going after everybody uh, you're one of the rare persons who's going after Darren Waller a little bit. I mean, the guy dropped at least two touchdown pass. I was in Nashville for the Titans game, and Carr had one of, had his best game of the season, and Darren Waller dropped two touchdown passes like just right off his hand. One of them turned into an interception, and that's not counting a deep ball that was a little overthrown. It would have been a tough catch, but should if Waller would have caught it, that would have been another touchdown. I mean, that that could have been a five-touchdown day for Derek Carr and said it's two, and we walk away losing by two points. I mean, he was he just looked out of it. Like, he was lethargic. I, again, I was there, and so the, I don't know if the cameras caught it, but after he dropped that first that first touchdown pass in the end zone from the very first drive, he kind of waddled off to the sideline. Derek Carr was waiting for him, gave him kind of a high five, like, hey, you got this, buddy. And Waller just kind of head down, hands on his hips, just – just seemed out of sorts, just unmotivated. And um, it's – look, if you drop two touchdown passes, how can you not come down on him? I don't understand why there wasn't more people going after Darren Waller for something like that. You just got paid. You're a pro bowler. You should be happy. You should be, you know, playing like you deserve this contract, and you give us that performance. 
By the way, what was the atmosphere like in Nashville? And give me a prediction. If the Raiders fall down quickly at home, what do you think the reaction is going to be from Raiders fans at home? That's a good question. So first off, Nashville, like the Raiders travel so well. Well, like I was, I was surrounded, not surrounded by Raider fans, but there was, I had plenty of people to high five when there was a good play. Um, and, and, you know, Nashville is just such a great season. The Raiders had some awesome away games between, like, Seattle, New Orleans, Nashville. Like, it's a great season to be a Raider fan if you want to travel. Um, on top of, you know, Denver, obviously, and L.A. every year. Uh, great atmosphere. Awesome out there in Nashville. Nashville is a top three American city. I absolutely love Nashville. <laughs> um, but it, uh, it's hard to know in Vegas because the, the fan that you have a, your finger on the pulse better than anybody, Steve, they're still kind of learning who they are. Like, we – Derek Carr said himself he never really felt like he had a real, true home field advantage feeling until week 18 of last year in that amazing Chargers game that sent us to the playoffs. Like that's So the, I feel like Raider Nation in Las Vegas has it in them. It just needs to be sparked in the right way. And, uh, you know, going 0-4 and losing to a divisional rival ain't going to do it. Trust me, uh, Raiders fans in the Al know enough about the Raiders that if they get off to a bad start or they're struggling – late in the game, they will boo. The patience is wearing very, very thin. We're talking to R.J. Clifford. He does the Autumn Windbags podcast, where I want to get to a little MMA in just a couple of minutes. You know, the other thing, while we're all concentrating on the you know the, the deal with Waller and Devontae getting 30 targets but only 17 catches and Carr looking like at times he doesn't want to cut loose, the defense last week against Nashville was not good, and Chandler Jones yeah. has not produced a lot of results. Crosby's getting pressures, but that defense last week against a beat-up, a beat-up Titans offensive line allowed 6.6 yards per play. You don't win in the NFL yeah. with a number like that. Oh, they made Ryan Tannehill look like Aaron Rodgers. It was absolutely atrocious. Touchdowns in the first three drives, it was, it was terrible. Now, <laughs> It's not an excuse, but you do have the built-in. Our leading tackler and Pro Bowl linebacker Denzel Perriman wasn't playing. That's that's the, the Titans are literally the last team in the league you want to play without Denzel Perriman being uh being the human torpedo that he is. Like, not an excuse, but like that was that definitely hurt us. Uh, we got so many guys in concussion protocol now with Nate Hobbs and and Denzel, like I mentioned. Uh, so that wasn't good. It's just this defense is just like like they held Arizona to no points in the first half last week. They hold Nashville to no points in the second half this week. Like, why can't they just like combine that, right? Like, how about we just let? How would you do one terrible game and like, give the give the give the opposing offense forty eight points and then do a shutout the next week? Like, why do you have to separate it so we keep losing? I think I think Patrick Graham's got. I think he's a, he's made adjustments at times, like he did obviously with Nashville when they held it, you know held him to no points in the second half. It's just it just can't be it just can't be put together for four 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 full quarters. It's He's made adjustments sometimes, and he's failed sometimes. And again, I, I, back to my original point, I think this team and this coaching staff and the, both units are they're going through the growing pains of a brand-new system, a brand-new complicated system that it should be ironed out. It's just that the hole may be too big before it is. RJ Clifford's with us, big Raiders fan, Raiders media member, Autumn Windbags podcast, also has uh, covered MMA forever, was an MMA fighter. Uh, in his younger years. So i got to ask you about some USC stuff real quick. Um, yep. I know you're at the uh, the Apex Today event coming up tomorrow. Uh, what's the you know must-watch tune-in moment on tomorrow's card here in town? So it's on ESPN Plus, early fight card. Main card starts at 4 o'clock, prelims at 1. Uh, the main event is Mackenzie Dern versus John Jean Nan. Um, 
it, it's one of the because you know mixed martial arts has evolved so much. This is the very rare, almost like black and white, pure striker versus grappler. Jan is pure striker. Mackenzie Jordan, multi-time uh, jiu-jitsu champion, uh, beating some of the very, very best in women's jiu-jitsu. She training with Jason Perillo, Michael Bisping's former coach. It's brought her striking along a little bit, but she is still jujitsu first. So it's it's a nice kind of throwback matchup. You think like UFC like four when it was like the boxer versus the Gracie. This is something similar to that. So uh, fun style matchup in the main event and uh, some some championship repercussions for the winner as well. Are you going to Abu Dhabi for uh, two eighty? I am. I okay. am leaving that, uh, in two weeks. Interesting card. Uh, at least three good fights at the top of the card. And uh, is is the championship fight actually the co-main? What is it? Uh, Oliveira and Makachev. And then you got the one. You got basically like a fight off with two more fights at one thirty-five. Yeah, exactly. Um, I cannot love a woman the way I love Charles Oliveira, Islam Makachev. I mean, that, that <laughs> fight is everything. You've got Charles Oliveira, who's become one of the most exciting fighters in mixed martial arts. An incredible run. Uh, finishes, uh, knockout submissions in dazzling fashion. He almost loses every fight before he wins it. I mean, he is as much watched. I used to say, you know, Justin Gaethje, like they should give out the uh, uh, the non-Justin Gaethje fight of the year because Gaethje wins it every year. Oliveira has given Gaethje a run for his money. He's the most exciting fighter in mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. And Islam Akhachev is on paper the perfect style to beat someone like that. Wrestler, Dagestani guy, Kabir Magomedov, former protege. So, Love that stylistic matchup and the repercussions. I mean, Khabib Nurmagomedov is still young, even though he retired as the best lightweight of all time undefeated. If Charles Oliveira can beat Makachev and point to Khabib in the corner and say, come out of retirement and fight me, that might be, I'm hoping, I'm trying to will it into existence, Steve, the thing that brings Khabib out of retirement. So championship repercussions, awesome fight on paper, and maybe, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers, maybe it can bring Khabib back. Autumn Windbags is the Raiders podcast that R.J. Clifford does. He works behind the scenes on the TV side around UFC. He's on the air at SiriusXM. Let's get back to the Broncos and the Raiders to close things out. Uh, did you see the weird video that was put out by a sub-making company and Russell Wilson about his danger witch? Russ really gives people material to feel kind of creepy about him and root against him. Cringy guy, right? Like, uh, it's, it's good that he's a Broncos. So now it's even easier to kind of kind of root <laughs> against him. I mean, the dude, like, practices his, like, handshakes when he's entering the tunnel. Like, he, who rehearses that? Like, what's going on here? Like, is it a Vegas show? It's so weird. Yeah. it's uh, he, He's easy to hate. And um, I'm glad Nathaniel Hackett had to hire a babysitter two weeks into the two weeks into this season. And uh, hopefully, the, you know, they both end up destroying each other. Yeah, I was going to say, if the Raiders drop to 0-4, you may be calling for babysitters around the Raiders coaching staff and the players. So, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be angry. I'm going to yell about it on my show, but I don't mean it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, you got you got like, you got to give them a year, right? Before like, wow. they go, you got oh, of course, brand new. Like, you can't turn, like, now, I'm not going to like it, right? Like, because how many head coaches – get to take over a 10-win playoff team. Like, normally when you bring an entire new coaching staff, it's because the team's been terrible, um, you're starting from scratch, you're rebuilding, something like that, high draft picks. No, like, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, they they had a, like, I think that's why they finally made their moves. They saw a golden opportunity to take 
take over a franchise with multiple pro bowlers, a franchise quarterback off of 10 wins with some momentum going behind them. They had a better shot to take this franchise to new heights better than any other, almost any other coach in recent memory. With that said, though, brand new system, complicated system. I'm not going to like it. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to yell about it. But deep down, I know you got to give this time. You're like, there's no hot seat. There's going to be anger, but there's there's no hot seat. You've got to give them time to be able to figure this out. And when I said, wow, I wasn't reacting to you got to give them a year. I thought you were saying you got to be patient this year. Whatever happens, happens. I don't think people are going to be patient. And Josh McDaniels no. and Ziegler aren't going anywhere. They're not going to get dumped in the middle of the season or fired after the season. What's going to happen in this game? Who's going to win? Great question. So I was I was hoping that not having Vic Fangio in Denver would expose their defense. That didn't happen. That defense is legit, unfortunately. A lot happens if we can get uh, Denzel Perham and Nate Hobbs back out of concussion protocol. I haven't seen the injury reports for today yet, um, but that's going to be a big difference with that running game of the Broncos that they've had for decades, no matter who their coach is. Um, we're going to need those guys to be sure-handed tacklers. And so uh, I think it really comes down to that. If we can stop the run and try to force Russell to beat the Raiders, I think we're in good shape. I don't think Russell Wilson is the same guy. I don't think he's the same guy in that system. I don't think he has the weapons that everyone thought they had in Denver. Um, it's just a matter of we can we can stop their run game. We got it. If we don't, we're on for it. There he is, R.J. Clifford. He does the Autumn Windbags podcast. Is also a host on SiriusXM. Excellent when it comes to UFC and MMA material. You can follow him on Twitter at R.J. Clifford MMA. More Raiders talk on the way in our five o'clock hour. Former Oakland Raider Stanford Route is coming up. That'll do it for today's run in Reno. If you want to hear more of the show? We stream every day at lvsportsnetwork.com. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers.